Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Craft Heads Podcast, episode 101 in the new era of Craft Heads Podcast with our fancy new equipment. Please excuse our growing pains and our digital dust as we figured out, but we promise it's going to get even better from here out. But this is the podcast where my best friend Tommy and I of 20 years get on and discuss a certain topic. Sometimes it's philosophical, sometimes it's pop culture related, sometimes it's utterly worthless. And we almost always have a craft cocktail, beer, uh, wine, spirit, something like that to accompany it. And sometimes there are shout out for people that we've met places we've been to, events we've attended, etc. So uh, this week, we've been talking about this for a while, at least I've mentioned it, doing a Twin Peaks episode at some point. And uh, this week, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Tara. Welcome back, Tara. Thanks for having me. You probably recognize her voice. She's been on here many times. And recently, within the past, I don't know, um, two, three months, we watched all of Twin Peaks, uh, seasons one and two in the early 90s. And season three, which came out two years ago, two or three years ago in 2017. And the movie. Yeah, and, and the movie, some, and a bunch of other supplemental stuff as well. And before we dive into the topic, Tara, uh, we, we don't have a cocktail per se, but we did prepare for this episode insofar as I baked a homemade, not the crust, just the filling, cherry pie. And we had some fantastic coffee this morning to go with it. So we had a slice of cherry pie and a damn good cup of coffee, as Dale Cooper would say. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You, and, well, I should say, Tara had the coffee. She didn't have the pie. Everybody else loved it, but, you know. Well, I don't like pies and I don't like cherries. And yeah. so I don't feel like it would be in that situation. It would be like, you know, putting them together. All of a sudden, I would love... It would just exacerbate my hate of both things. You just, you don't love Dale Cooper enough, apparently. But That's okay. More pie for you. Exactly. So, again, I've talked about this numerous times, and it was just something I, I wanted to chit-chat about with Tara. Uh, Tommy's never seen it, but I am, anybody who knows me, I'm very picky about the shows that I watch, and more importantly, now than ever, like, it's impossible to get me to watch a new show. And I'm very set in my ways along along those lines and, you know, TV recommendations and everything. But I will say, for anybody who does care, maybe coming from somebody like myself who is very choosy about that, my all-time favorite television shows, if I had to pick three in this order, are probably The Sopranos, Twin Peaks, and probably The Leftovers after my second watch through recently. So a very important show near and dear to my heart personally Tara and I don't have necessarily like an agenda for this or anything. It's probably going to be a quick one, 20, 30 minutes max. But I'm just trying to think about anybody else who is interested in watching the show. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers if you've never seen it. Uh, I would highly recommend checking it out if you're into really weird, quirky stuff because Mm -hmm. it is both of those things, supernatural as well. But Tara, why is Twin Peaks special to you? Because I know you loved watching that with me recently and i would say and this is why i like leftovers too um it kind of leaves a lot of stuff up in the air like it doesn't give you a concrete answer on most things i'll say like maybe maybe 50 percent of the stuff that's there gets answered but the other 50 percent is like off in limbo and you're like well what the hell is going on and um it's kind of like a situation where like that movie we just watched or um oh god what was the one with 
that crazy shit in the woods or whatever. And like, you didn't see the, the monster, the ritual. Yeah. So you didn't see the monster the whole entire movie and like it's suspenseful and like, it was actually pretty scary. And then they show you the monster and it's like, Oh, this isn't really scary anymore. It's kind of dumb. Like whatever. And I think it's a situation like that where it's like, because so much is left to the imagination, you can kind of come up with your own conclusions. And I like shows that do that. And I think Twin Peaks did a perfect job, especially once you get into season three and finish season three, it's like, yeah and shit that's something spend a little bit more time on actually in this because as much as i'd like to take a really deep dive and you know talk about a lot of the finer points of the show and go into crazy theories and and whatnot about what's happening and what happened because it's that's already been done to death i mean not only with season three but people fans of the show have been talking about the the first two seasons for decades now at this point so it was really tara and i are just trying to give you the most unique thing possible that we can. And I guess that's our perspective as individuals who watched it. So Mm -hmm. as a quick summary, just what the show is about, there's an FBI agent who is sent to a small podunk town to investigate the death of a, of a high school prom queen, popular girl, you know, dates like the jocks and like the bad boys and that kind of a thing. And it, one of David Lynch's, themes in a lot of his works is the idea of like this something dark and terrible happening at all levels in society under the sheen of like a nice small town that you think is perfect and it looks great on the outside Mm -hmm. but it's got all kinds of problems and corruption and roots festering underneath the the shiny surface everyone's got a secret yeah exactly that's that's a good line and that's that's what twin peaks is all about and then it gets really it gets pretty crazy the first season, I think, is a lot of build-up character development, but then it starts diving into a lot of the supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. which is by far, that's my favorite part of the show. Yeah, same. It's all the supernatural craziness. So for anybody who followed it back in the day, it would have been really disappointing because the second season ends, of course, with Dale Cooper laughing maniacally and the the supernatural killer entity, Bob, has inhabited uh, Dale Cooper's body. And the show ends completely there at that point. So it's like this huge, I don't even want to call it a cliffhanger. It's just a huge, like, oh my God, what happened? And it got, the show got canceled because of declining uh, viewership and various other things. And, you know, like executives not getting it because David Lynch is just so off the reservation. And I think their biggest issue was they actually solved the quote unquote mystery of the whole show, i.e., they revealed who the killer was of Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. wound up being her dad, who was inhabited by Killer Bob. And that was only in season, the, the second or seventh episode of season two, which was like the 14th episode overall. So if maybe for people who were bouncing off the really cool supernatural aspects and all the other amazing stuff that's happening in the show and, and the charm of the characters and the complexity of, of it all, people who just didn't get that or didn't like it. They're like, well, what the hell? You know, the mystery's already solved. And that's, that's from what I understand, is why it was not uh, renewed for a third season at the time. But the most incredible thing that I don't see another television show ever doing for the rest of time is uh, Cooper is in the Black Lodge, and Laura Palmer is there, and she says to him in her, the crazy, like, backwards language or jumbled shit that they talk there, she says... I'll see you again in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then literally 25 years later in the real world, so from 92 to 2017, 
David Lynch and Mark Frost come again, come together again to make this third season. It's called Twin Peaks The Return, but it's like season three. And it aired on Showtime exclusively. And I got to tell you, the first time I watched through season three, I really enjoyed it. But I loved it even more. And people who don't get it, fine. Like, I'm not judging you, but you just, you're not cut out for what this show is, or, and certainly not David Lynch if you don't like it. Because I, in a weird way, enjoyed season three almost as much as one and two. What are your thoughts, T? I will say each season has its own little charms. Like, you know, season one, because in season one is pretty short, right? It, it's not the same number of episodes as season two. So no. it's pretty short. And that one is very much like, okay, we're in a small town. There's some creepy shit going on. And, you know, but the, but the whole thing is around this girl's murder and who did it and, you know, figuring out like these little town secrets. And then in the middle of season two is where you see like all the supernatural stuff kind of shift over. And it's like, okay, there there's so much more at play on the underworkings of what happened in that town. And I really liked seeing that. Like I, I really liked going on that little journey that David Lynch led us on. And, um, kudos to Alex because he forced me to (laughs) go through the David Lynch curriculum and he forced me through watching a ton of his movies and ton of his works, um, in preparation for season three and I appreciate that he did that for me uh, because like one of the episodes, and I will say maybe, I don't want to say one of the best, but one of the most profound episodes was that, you know, crazy like atomic bomb episode. And it's just like, oh, it's just yeah. crazy shit happening the whole episode. And there's like really no cohesive thought processes happening, happening in it. And like, I could see a lot of people watching that and getting like, what am I watching? And just turning it off completely. But it's like, you know, going through the rest of his, I don't want to say, I almost said discography, the rest of his his filmography and, uh, you know, just watching, you know, how his mind worked even way back then. There's, there's a lot of cool, cool shit to, to think about. I think, I think that is one of the things that I like most when looking and looking at and consuming media is, stuff that makes me think in like, I can, I can create like my own endings in my own imagination. And, you know, Alex, you can create your own endings with your own, you know, whatever you're thinking in your head too. And I, I, I don't know. I think that's why I like the show so much because stuff is so open-ended with different areas and it's like, okay, like you can kind of, I don't know, make your own conclusions. That's a great point, T. So the one that she's talking about is season three, episode eight. That episode is regarded as one of the wackiest, craziest, also best, etc. episodes of television of all time from critics and everybody else who like really digs deeply into this stuff. Because like, for example, you're, you're talking about this 25 year old mystery on television. And in that episode, they actually they sort of reveal the origin, the supernatural origin of Killer Bob in that he sort of came into being simultaneously when the the world's first atomic bomb was detonated whenever they had the mm-hmm. first test and it was sort of it was like symbolic of man's uh, capability for destruction and and evil and everything else and that's just really cool like seeing okay yeah we know that killer bob is this supernatural entity from the black lodge and all and all that stuff is cool enough and i didn't even need an explanation but the fact that david lynch comes up with such a a fascinating interesting way of weaving that in. I just love it. And this this was also the same episode with God of Light. 
and the, the freaky ass woodsman. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. anybody listening that most people listening have seen the show and that's practically like meme status. And there's just so much to unpack in that one episode. Yeah. It's almost like the, the show to a certain degree, even though it's worth so much more, it's worth watching just to get to that episode and go on that trip. Cause it's just so wacky. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, and I don't, I did my own digging after we finished. So you remember that little girl where that looked like insect. Yeah. At the end of God of Light. Yeah. So that little girl is actually Sarah Palmer. Sarah Palmer. That, That is actually Laura's mother as a young girl. And one of the other things that's revealed too in season three is the FBI basically chasing down this demonic entity named Judy. And there's a lot of pieces going together where it's like, okay, like Judy resides inside of Sarah Palmer. It, it, this show derails too, because it's, it's inferred that there are many planes of existence in, in this demonic entity is inside of Sarah Palmer and each of them or, or what, what have you. And it's cool because you see the creation of Bob. And then when you put the pieces together of Sarah Palmer, you can see like that, whatever that frog insect was went in her and like you can infer like okay that little bug thing is the demon judy or or helped get judy or whatever yeah Yeah. inside it helped get judy inside of sarah's body so it's just like oh my gosh it's just it's crazy so they they leave that kind of uh open-ended i think there's going to be more peaks at some point oh my god i hope i I think david lynch has uh a lot of life and and like content life left in him. At least I sure hope he does. He seems to be kicking just fine. And you know, he, he's put out recent things like on Netflix, that crazy, what did Jack do? Oh, that was short funny. Film with I the loved talking it. monkey. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think David Lynch looks great. He's old. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, I think he's in his seventies, maybe like late seventies or something. And maybe I don't know about late, but he, he looks good. He sounds good. And I want him to make stuff until he dies. And I know he's got a passion for the art form. I mean, if you just go back to seeing, the first stuff that he did, like he clearly, very clearly does. So, but going back to your, your Judy thing, I loved the way that the season three ended because you're almost like in an alternative existence where Laura Palmer, her death is reversed. It never happens. So it like, it completely changes the way all the events unfold. And the real Dale Cooper, who only returns to the show, like almost at the very end of season three yeah, he finally to replace up. Dougie Jones, which I loved that whole thing too. Like Dougie Jones was amazingly lovable in his own goofy way, like retard coop or dumb coop, whatever we called him. And he go, he scoops up Laura Palmer from someplace in the Southwest. And she's not actually Laura. Yeah. Like she's got a totally different name. There's a dead guy on her couch and she's totally wacky. Is it Texas? I definitely the Southwest, I think. But then they, they drive the twin peaks together. They go back to the Palmer household or I should say Palmer in quotes and, you know, nothing is as it was, but then they're just sort of sitting out there uh, in the street. And then doesn't she ask what year it is or something like that? Cooper does. So what happens is they, they show up, they go on this impossibly long and uneventful car ride. And that takes up most of the end of the final episode. And you're <laughs> just kind of like, oh no, time is running out and they're not wrapping anything up. And so they finally get to... What it was basically supposed to be Laura's house, and Dale Cooper and her, they you know they go up and knock on the door, and it's a totally different woman. Her husband's inside, sitting on the couch, and uh, you know Dale Cooper's 
inter- not I don't want to say interrogating, but asking questions like, you know, hey, who who owned this house before? Or, you know, how long have you have, have lived here? And, and all these different questions trying to figure out like, okay, why does this Laura Palmer not think she's Laura Palmer? And who are these people in her house? And how long have they been there? And they basically find out like, the Palmers never lived there in whatever plane of reality he is in. What happens is they go back to the car and Dale is asking what year it is. And then when he does that, that's where Laura starts screaming because she can hear her mom, Sarah. And like, then it gets kind of crazy. Like with the, like, so they talk about Laura being like almost like an angel or like some kind of light in the darkness. You've got this Judy entity that's inside of her mom, her, you know, killer Bob like possessed her father and he, you know, is crazy killing people. But it was actually revealed. And I was, when I was doing my research, the woman that answered the door in the final episode, that was their actual house. They lived there. Like those were the residents of that home. And so Another, yeah, in another rabbit hole I went down, they were talking about, like, in that final episode, like, where Dale Cooper was, he was actually in our reality. That's what they were trying, I I think. And that, so that was an interesting take on it, and I didn't think of it. And then when whoever this person was online was, like, you know, going through their little explanation, I was like, wow, that's a really cool idea. I was like, oh my gosh, this demon entity is chasing Laura Palmer, or whatever her name is into yeah. where we are. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It's exactly. cool. It's cool. It's, it's thought-provoking. It's uh, really it's, interesting. It's just so amazing. And this, for me, this show is so all about, like, the really, really big, important moments. Not necessarily reveals or, like, shocking things. It's about the the triumphant moments, as silly as that sounds. I mean, the two that really stick out to me. So, you're hanging on for dear life in season three, just, like, waiting. When is... When is real Coop gonna escape the Black Lodge and get into his his Dougie Jones body mm-hmm. in in the quote real world, so that you know because you want to see Dale Cooper more on screen because he's he's one of the best characters of all time from anything. Oh, and his personality he's pure is incredible and good and funny and quirky. He's just he's amazing. Yeah. And you got lobotomized Coop, and yeah. that's that's actually the real Dale Cooper. He escaped the Black Lodge, and he but he's lobotomized, and it's like, oh my yeah. gosh! And, like, and we're, come bo- on, Coop, evil wake up. Coop is an amazing character too. He's but he's horrible and evil. But yeah, anyway, and you know, I just I enjoyed that whole thing in season three. But one of the best moments in the sh- two of the best moments in the show for me were uh, whenever he finally makes his return and he gets out of the Black Lodge, and oh, G- Janie E is her name. That's mm-hmm. Naomi Watts's character. She can tell that like that that goofy uh, lobotomized Dougie Jones is gone, who she had become very endeared to her. Cause her, her actual husband prior to that was like just a deadbeat degenerate yeah. gambling piece of shit. And as goofy and simple as Dougie was, he like really fit in with that three person family. And you know, the, the kid loved him as his dad and she loved him as a husband. He got him out of debt. <laughs> yeah. And then she was just like, you know, she knew that he was different. It was yeah. another guy. And then somehow they, they left it so that like Coop, the real Coop sort of left that body again and like left Dougie Jones with them, like the funny Coop. I re- I can't remember exactly. So how remember that how um, the real Dougie piece of shit Dougie passes away or whatever. He becomes a seed in the Black That's Lodge. Right. That's right. And Coop asked the one armed man to create another one. He said, well, "I'm going to need another one of these of or something Coop. of Goofy Coop." Yeah. And so they 
created lobotomized Coop, sent him back to the family because, you know, he had become basically like an actual father figure to the little boy, a yep. husband to Naomi Watts. Like, yeah, oh my gosh. It. So and then the scene of just Coop flopping on the bed with his arms. Yeah, oh getting, getting banged. That was yeah. amazing. But the actual scene, I, I got a little derailed, is whenever Coop does return and they play the falling theme song, like that, that amazing theme song from the entire show mm-hmm. from all three seasons and they're like driving in that brand new Mercedes and you're like, yeah, Coop's back. I mean, that's yeah. literally, if you don't say that out loud, you're saying it in your head. You feel like a child on Christmas day. Yeah. That was one of the most amazing scenes in the show. And then the other one that I'm thinking of is like the, the bromance between Coop and Sheriff Truman in the first two seasons, who oh is played gosh. by Michael, Michael on Kean. He was not reprised in his role. There was the brother of Sheriff Truman played by Robert Forrester. And he was awesome. Great character. But I love the original Sheriff Truman so much, but he completely left acting, I think, after Twin Peaks. And, like, oh, he did, to, yeah. Which, which I love. That's really cool. Real good-looking guy, too. I remember, oh, like, he I, was, I had yeah. a man crush on him the, the whole show. But uh, speaking of um, bromances, and also Hawk in there, uh, Deputy Hawk. Oh. You know, so, like, the dynamics between them were so good. And they were part of the Bookhouse Boys, mm-hmm. which was, like, this little vigilante club of, of good men, you know, trying to fight you know, evil in the world, like sort of off the record. Cause not everything they did was necessarily legal or in line with, you know, standard operating procedure for law authority figures. And whenever, whenever Sheriff Truman finally inducts Coop into the Bookhouse boys, the quote that Cooper said at that point, it was, it, it almost brought me to tears and it was just like one of those moments. And he said, Harry, I am honored beyond my ability to express myself. Do you remember watching that? Yeah. And how I was just like, oh my God, that's so Yeah, amazing. that that really makes you, if that doesn't make you feel good inside and like doesn't inspire you to want to have someone that you like feel that way towards. Yeah, I, like I just showed T his, the smiling oh. Coop gif. Of young him. Coop. It's He's just, so handsome. Oh God. So amazing. Well, but, and one of the things too, we talked about earlier in the kitchen when we were making the pie, um, you know, just kind of side railing off into how good looking the actor is that plays Cooper. Um, Kyle McLachlan. He, he was actually, they were actually supposed to have a romance bloom between Cooper and Audrey Horn. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, Kyle McLachlan was dating, the actress that plays um, Laura's best friend. What's her Donna? name? Donna. He Laura was dating. Lynn Boyle. Yeah. They, so they were dating in real life and she was jealous right. that he was going to have an on-screen quote on-screen romance with Audrey. And because I, I, the, the woman that plays Audrey is drop dead gorgeous oh, at the Sharon time. Oh, Sharon Fenn just smoking hot. Just, oh my God. So I remember being like, oh, come on, Coop, come yeah. on, Audrey, like get together. And then they had to write it out. And I'm so sad because that was supposed, that was actually a reality and we're never going to see it. So that's just something I'm going to have to create in my head. This is no uh, secret. I've shown Tara and she loved it too. I was so in love with, with Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks during that time in the early 90s. I actually got on eBay and ordered her where she is the... She the centerfold. She was like the feature, featured she, story, not the centerfold. She was featured. Maybe she was. But she's on she the was cover. A, she was on the cover. She yeah. was the cover girl, and she had photos in December nineteen ninety. Uh, Playboy. I, I didn't finish what it was. That was it. Was the December nineteen ninety issue of Playboy yeah. that I, I was like, oh, I need this. And I will say from whatever artistic side, from a woman or whatever, you aesthetic. Know, you know, looking at 
different playboy like models and what they, how they model and the poses and whatever. If you're going to go find those images, hers are probably some of the most tastefully done shots I've ever seen. She actually looks like an icon, like, Oh man! Yeah, like a Marilyn Monroe. Figure. Oh yeah, inspiring, very inspiring. She's even got like a, a one of a those mole, one of yeah, the like iconic a beauty mole. mark. Yeah, she's yeah. got a beauty mark. Yeah, it's it's just so amazing. That the show's whole show, amazing. Th- this is what I wanted to do was just sort of get fired up about like like random little things, scenes that made us mm-hmm. really happy about it because you can't possibly cover it all in a short episode that we have here. Um, I want to rewatch it. I I would I would always rewatch that show. It's not even like a crazy time investment. Uh, it's like middle of the road. I would say it's not mm-hmm. short. It's not super long either, like a Lost or a Dexter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what I I think one of the things I am most looking forward to in a hopeful next season is digging a little bit deeper into the the supernatural uh, Tibetan mysticism stuff with the tulpas and the doppelgangers and. And specifically Judy. And the reason that Judy intrigues me so much is I got the impression from everything that they talked about with the Blue Rose Project and everything, which was the FBI's project looking into all this supernatural shit, was like, yes, Killer Bob is uh, evil and and sort of like, I'm going to call him chaotic. And he just thrives on killing in fear and, you know, leeching other people's Mm -hmm. life force that way. The impression I got of Judy is that she slash it is far more powerful and far more evil and just generally more malevolent and malicious. Did you get oh, that? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, just it, the scenes that like you, Bob is nothing compared to Bob it. is Bob is more, I'll say um, like that psychological sociological kind of fear of like how he would like, I don't want to say torture, but he like basically tortured Laura you know, put the fear of God into her. And she like, Laura ends up like, she's doing drugs. She is going to like some strip club up in Canada. Yeah, she's a trash person. She, she becomes <laughs> trash, but it's because Bob possessing her father is abusing her sexually. Mm-hmm. Like since she was a child, literally. And so obviously she's warped. Um, mm-hmm. and she's trying to escape that and numb it. But, so Bob is doing that, and then he doesn't end up killing her until much later on. Obviously, she's like 18 years old. So when Judy's randomly in the bar, like, just having a drink, and that guy's trying to hit on her or whatever, or talk, and she, like, peels her face away to, like, reveal a totally different, like, dimension. Yeah. And she, like, launches this insane projectile thing and rips his face off or, like, slashes his throat out. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's as crazy. And like another crazy scene too where you see her is when that guy is watching that box and he brings that girl in and they start hooking up on the couch. Judy oh, like yeah. she she like uh that appears was the first episode of season 3, right? First or second. Yeah. It, it very early one of the, on. One of the two. Yeah, and so Judy like God, what is the word that I am looking for? Materializes. Judy materializes in this glass box, breaks out of it. And just stabs these two individuals like a thousand times. Like eviscerates them. Oh yeah. yeah. She she turns them into mincemeat with whatever spectral dagger arm she has. Like it's just that being is you can tell is pure hate. And they talk about it in the show, um, the FBI later on, where they're like, we are chasing or we have um, you know, a feeling about a, about a very malevolent 
and evil entity that we've called Judy. And they're, I think they're trying to track down Judy. And then, I don't know. Like, I feel like Judy's trying to track down Laura and, like, drag her to hell or steal mm. her powers or something. I don't know. That's crazy. I hope there's a season four. We're at about a, a half an hour, give or take a little bit. And this was, this was perfect, T. I just wanted to talk about yeah. some of the stuff we love. And basically, just it's another glowing recommendation. I really don't recommend TV shows because I think it's really annoying when people are like, watch this, watch this, you should watch this. The three that... I would say are my personal favorite, like I said, are this Sopranos and Leftovers. And at this particular time, uh, you know, Twin Peaks is just really shining for me, especially after that recent rewatch of season three, which is just so cool and special in its own regard. Mm -hmm. But the first two lay the foundation for what's going to happen in three. And, you know, definitely don't watch three without watching one and two. Because yeah. a lot of people oh, yeah. say, like, oh, you don't need to. Yeah, you do. Yeah, like, oh, you definitely be, do. Would have, especially with the, rec- like, seeing all, so many of the characters reprising yeah. their roles. Like, it was I awesome. got nostalgic, and, like, my heart was Every happy time when saw I saw the new people, new, or the old people. Yeah, but 25 years older. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. And they got a shit ton of the characters back, like, at least half. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe The other thing, too, is, like, you'll notice, like, in some of the episodes, they do in memory of. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, some of the, like the, the woman that played the log lady, she passed away. She was able to do her filming for the show, but they just, they basically show her in a room. She's got the ventilator on, but she doesn't, you don't see her anywhere else out and about in, in the Twin Peaks world. She's cause so you can tell she was getting older and sick. And don't quote me on this. She might've even had a posthumous appearance. I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, there might've been some CGI with her specifically, but like, um, Doc Hayward, he died. Yep. But got some screen time and then died afterward. Um, there might have been one other person. Albert. Oh my God. Yeah. Miguel Ferrer. Uh, Albert, the amazing that my heart. FBI agent. And he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that sucks no matter what. Fuck but, you, Albert. Yeah. Fuck you, Albert. Laura Dern was, was amazing. Her reveal was Diane. Huge moment yeah. in the show. Oh because, my gosh. Uh, you, you don't even know up to a certain point, like if Diane's a real person, they could just yeah. be Coop talking into his tape recorder and everything. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I'll actually say like with the whole Laura Dern thing and you, you're talking about characters and recurring characters, David Lynch likes to use a lot of the same people. And when Alex, and all his stuff. when, yep. When Alex made me go through Lynchian boot camp, um, Lynch mania, Laura Dern's in a lot of that stuff too. And so. Um, and another interesting thing too, is like, you see these people from these movies, like, oh my gosh, it's like, okay, like you were in Lost Highway or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, another interesting thing is David Lynch said that, um, certain films of his were in the same universe or same whatever as right. Twin Peaks. And so one of those movies would be, um, I think he said Mulholland Drive. So yeah. if any of you guys watch this and are interested, I mean, there's a lot of other movies of his that are just very intriguing yep. and similar. So. so if if you need guides to help get you th- wade through Lynch's absurdist insanity, let us know. Yeah, I, I would love to, I would love to hear if, if there's any. I would love to hear from a single listener who's like, "Oh my god, I love David Lynch. I didn't know you loved you know because I I just love making connections mm-hmm. like that." But um, let us know what you think. If any of you who are Twin Peaks fans out there, let us know what some of your favorite things are, or some things that happened that maybe you didn't like. And also let us know if this encouraged you. I mean, we spoiled basically everything, but if you ever do watch it one day, let us know. Um, love to hear your feedback on it, but thanks for listening. And as always, T, thanks for, for joining me. You're very welcome. Cheers. Cheers.
This is the water. And this is the well. Drink full and ascend. The horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. <laughs>